Let me read a fairly lengthy portion of Scripture. And as I, I read this this evening, Paul is answering a question. This is a, an eschatological theme. This is an eschatological passage, which means that it talks about what's going to happen in the future. You know, there's one book in all the world that is reliable information of where we're headed as the church of Jesus Christ, as God's people. And so Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 35, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? How are the dead raised? How many of you, and I know the answer, you know someone that's died. You know someone that's left this life. Well, how are they going to be raised? This is, this is the question. And with what body do they come? Paul's been talking in this chapter about the resurrection. And there were some, maybe a, a good portion of the Corinthian church that were saying, we don't believe there is even anything as, as such as a resurrection. And then Paul says, if there's no resurrection, then Jesus is not raised. And if Jesus is not raised, we're in big trouble. We're still in our sins. There's no hope. We're of all people most miserable. But I tell you tonight, we, there is a resurrection. And Jesus did come out of the grave. And if you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, like in, what is it, John 17, I'm sorry, John 11, 25, where he says, you may die, but you'll not die. You're going to be raised. Why? Wow, he's the resurrection and the life. So we believe in the resurrection. And then Paul goes on in this chapter, which is the resurrection chapter, by the way. And he's saying, well, let me begin to explain. Now, what we've done actually in a couple messages, we're just proclaiming the resurrection. We're just reading scripture and expounding what Paul said. There is a resurrection and why that is. But now we're getting down to a little bit of the nitty gritty. Okay, Paul, if there is such a thing as a resurrection, then how are we going to be raised? What kind of body are we going to have? What is the process of all this? Well, no one knows all the details except the Lord, but we have a lot of information here. Look at verse 36. Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow, you do not sow that body that shall be. In other words, now look here. I've stood at many, many gravesides. I've stood on cold January days. I've stood in the hot of summer at a graveside as they lowered those bodies down into those cold graves. And I can tell you this, that's not the end. That's not what it's going to be. And that's what he says here. He says here, that, uh, uh, not so that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There's all kinds of flesh. There's men, flesh of animals, another fish, another of birds. There are, notice there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. In other words, the earthly and the heavenly, the terrestrial and the celestial. How, tonight as we came in, it was, wasn't that moon so beautiful? That moon, full moon. That's the celestial. This is the earthly. 
And then he says in verse 41, there was one glory of the sun, the glory, and then the glory, another of the moon, another of the star, glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in incorruption, but doesn't end there. It is raised in incorruption. In other words, sown in corruption in the ground, but when it comes out, it won't be that way. It's going to be changed, raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Hallelujah. I feel that. It is sown in a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. So it is written. Notice that. So it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. Why? God breathed into man the very breath of life. God of the ground, of the clay, created man, and then breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. Took Eve out of his side and created woman. The created being, man. And then it says, the last Adam. Do you know who that is? That's a, that's a title of Jesus. He's the last Adam. What is he? Became a life-giving spirit. No, listen, no human being can give salvation to another human being. No, no one who've had, we've had the breath of life breathe into us. We have bios life. We have life. We're, we're alive. We're human beings. But we also have another kind of life. We have eternal life because we have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But even in that, no human being can give life to another human being. We've, we've received life, but there is one who gives life, and his name is Jesus. And when he raised out of the grave, he, he, now we proclaim him, and whosoever will can come and receive of his life. He is the Savior. Oh, I'm going to get on my sermon Sunday, Brother Bob. He is the Savior. His name shall be called Jesus, and he shall save this church will not save you. No preacher will save you. No scheme will save you. But Jesus is the Savior. If you'll just trust him, you'll be all right. Trust him. Trust him. Cling to Jesus. Now, and you got through this, and I got a little excited there, didn't I? Well, that's enough to get excited about. Amen. Brother Keith, we've sang about it. Now we're preaching about it. What a joy it is to proclaim Christ. And that's why I love the Christmas season, because it's just proclaiming Christ. And so, and then, where are we? He is a life-giving spirit. Verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterwards, the spiritual. He's saying there, the natural life is going to its, run its course. And then after that, what is that? It's like I told you in verse 35, how shall the dead be raised? What body are they going to have? First, the natural life. But when, I, when you and I come to the end of our natural life and we're sown in corruption and we're sown down in weakness, that's not, that's not it, my friend. Are you hearing me? That's not it. Because then the spiritual comes. Heaven comes. That's what he's saying. And then verse 47. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. And the second man 
is the Lord from heaven. I read that today in my preparation time. The Lord from heaven. The Lord from heaven. Where did Adam come from? The dust. He's created by the Lord. And all human beings are creations of God. But Jesus was never created. He came from heaven. He's eternal. Come on, amen? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's eternal. Before Abraham was, I am, he said. No one like Jesus. Come on. Come on, no one like Jesus. Wonderful. Verse 48. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. So That's us. And as the heavenly man, so also, listen, are you with me? Come on. So also are those who are heavenly. So our issue is, We've got to get out of Adam and we've got to get into Jesus because the Adam race is dying. The Adam race, Adam's fallen race, is, consists of every single human being. Doesn't matter who, red, yellow, black, white, all that stuff, we do, we do all that stuff. Jesus looks at people and they're either in Christ or they're out of Christ. And this gospel, listen, this gospel's for the whole world, the whole world. That's why we go to Russia with the gospel. We go to Africa with the gospel. We go to South America, Central America. We go to the Near East. We go to the Far East. Why? Because the gospel that we proclaim is for every single human being. God so loved the whole world, he gave his son. And our issue is we've got to get out of Adam, and we've got to get into Jesus because the Adam race is the natural and there's a whole, the, all Adam's race, all that are outside of Christ will perish one day. But, but listen, what does it say? So also are those who are heavenly. Do you know, listen, do you know where you are tonight? You say, well, I'm in Mesquite, Texas. Yes, but you're also in another place. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You and I sit with Jesus in spirit. We are his church. He is the head and we are his body. We are indwelt by him. We're loved by him and he is among us. We are the heavenly people. We are the church. So also is the heavenly. And then he says in verse 49, and as, and as we have borne, as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Oh, man. Whew, I could close it and quit right there, and we'd all feel victory. So let's talk about this a little bit. I've titled this teaching, and I'll be, we'll end in about five after. How are the dead raised up? How are the dead raised up? We see that in verse 35. This is a question in, in one form or another. It's on every human being's mind. What, what does my future hold? And then we can ask it as Christians, as the followers of Jesus who have been born again. Have you been born again? If you've not been born again, that's the most important thing that needs to happen in a person's life. But if we are born again, what's going to happen? Christians feel physical weakness just like lost people. I mean, I go to the hospital, and one room will have a sick Christian. I go to the next room, and a lost person there, they're sick too. Not saying anyone has to be sick. I'm saying we, as part of the man of dust, that race, the human race, we experience, you know, the, 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 it rains on the just and the unjust. I know Christians that have sorrow, don't you? 
I know Christians that get sick and we pray for them. We love them. I know Christians that experience financial crisis. I know Christians that, I hate to say this, but they divorce sometimes. Should never happen, but they do. I know Christians that get discouraged. And so we face many of the trials. Now, we don't face them the same way. Because we have the resources of God's grace and glory to overcome everything. We are more than conquerors to him who loved us. But I, I go to funerals and, and, and I've done the I've ministered at funerals of lost people. And they, they died too. And I went to the funerals of Christians and they died too. Where, where did we, where, what happens at the end of that? You know, is it... Is it that we're simply going to die, our bodies are going to go back to the dust, or does God have something else in mind? And from this chapter, let me tell you, friend, if this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, was not in the Bible, we'd be in a heap of trouble. But what an amazing revelation of the Holy Spirit to the great apostle Paul. I want to tell you, God has something else. And what Paul is addressing is the future resurrection of our bodies. And that's what he's dealing with. Now, quickly. First of all, he deals with death. Verse, 50, verse 36, look at it. He calls them foolish ones. I don't, he's not being harsh. He's kind of gently, gently fatherly, you know, in a fatherly way, rebuking them. He said, foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it, say it. It's not made alive unless it dies. This is Paul's gentle rebuke because they're not right on a vital truth. The church was doctrinally weak in this vital truth. How many of you believe we need to be strong doctrinally? Anyone, you've heard, I've heard people say that. We don't need that dusty doctrine. Let's just have a bunch of worship. Well, I love worship, and I loved our worship tonight. But we need worship with preaching, and we need preaching with worship. And we need our, do listen, we need our songs to be as doctrinally sound as our sermons. Because a song is no more than a singing sermon. Let's sing about Jesus. Let's sing about the blood. Let's sing about salvation. Let's warn about hell. Let's, let's warn and, 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 and celebrate about heaven. Let's sing about healing. Let's sing about the Holy Spirit. Let's sing about being born again. Let's sing about the joy of our salvation. So the Corinthians were weak in a vital area. And that vital air is the resurrection. And so Paul gently rebukes them. And Paul is saying here, death will not hinder the resurrection. Not even death will stop the resurrection. Nothing, nothing, nothing will stop the resurrection of the believers in Jesus Christ. But it will occur after death. You may die but you don't have to be afraid of death because that's not the end. That's just a step through to the other side. Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews, some think it's Paul, 927 Hebrews, it's appointed unto men once to die. Now, Paul teaches in another place that we don't need to overly mourn our brothers and sisters in Christ who have passed away. I don't read those texts, but I'll reference it where he said, don't sorrow as others who have no hope. I mean, when, when our loved ones in our church have passed away and our precious ones, man, I shed tears. I remember several years back, many years back now, I had a, I had a secretary for 10 years, Brenda. Some of you know Brenda, some of you don't. Secretary for over a decade. And, and she just was a great friend and such a godly woman. Never married, 
gave her whole life to Jesus, and she was my personal secretary and our treasurer, and just amazing lady. And then we, she was sitting in my office, and it was on a, a Thursday, and she she'd come to my office at the end of the day, and we began to laugh about something. And she had this real infectious laugh. When she really got tickled, she had this infectious laugh. And she was sitting across the desk, and, and she just started laughing, and I started laughing. And then five minutes later, she was gone. An hour and a half later, I got a call. And she had gone over to an estate sale, and they called and said, Pastor, you need to pray. Brenda collapsed. And right after that, she passed away. And they did keep her on support for a little bit, but then, they, then she passed. Right after that, uh, or was it before that, that her sister, was it before that, that uh, Pat passed away? Yeah, right before that, her sister Pat had passed away. And then, and then Steve passed away. And like all his family just, and I, and I look at that, and I shed those tears, but I don't sorrow hopelessly. I'm, I, I, shed tear, I shed tears in those moments because I miss them. They're valuable to me. Minister in their lives. I spoke at their funerals. I have a whole big, huge file full of, full of funeral sermons. And I have the obituary and I have the sermons that I preached. And every once in a while when I'm going through stuff, I'll glance and I'll see those. And I'll see all those funeral services that I've done. And those people are not forgotten. They're in the very presence of Jesus Christ. And they're awaiting the resurrection. Yes, their bodies are in the grave now. Sown in weakness. Sown in corruption. But their spirit and soul are with Jesus right now. And I'll show you that in a moment. Now think about this. Just as a grain of seed. Just as a grain of seed must die, it must enter the ground before it can grow into a plant. We as the Christians also must enter the grave before we can experience the resurrection. That's what Paul's saying here. You, don't, you know, you look at a seed, that seed has to be planted before it can come up uh, beautifully. And Paul is saying that death will not hinder the resurrection it's a necessary, because of sin, because of what's happening, it's a necessary part of, of, of a process that is not out of the control of the Lord. It may look like it. These things may come upon us suddenly. But I can tell you, God is in control. Death is not, does not control our God. He controls it. Now, there is, a, there is an exception, and that is this. Later in this chapter, which will be my last message in this chapter, Paul says there's an exception. Most people, they will, they will be sown in the grave in weakness. And they'll be resurrected. But Paul said there is an exception. And the exception is this. There are those who will be alive and remain alive until the coming of Jesus Christ. There are a group of people that will not that will not be sown into the grave. How God will deal with that, I don't know. But I believe what Scripture says. There'll be those who are alive and remain when Jesus comes, and those that are in the grave will raise to meet those, and we'll all be caught up together. And those who are alive will get transformed bodies too, just like those who are in the grave, and God will transform their bodies. What a marvelous, marvelous story. What I would say to you quickly is that you don't need to fear death. You don't need to be afraid of death. God's children 
when we're saved, he, he wants to take that fear of death out. Because beyond death is the resurrection. Hebrews says it this way, Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power over death. That is the devil. He's the one that sin and death. And re- notice, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What does that mean? That means this. There was a fear in the Old Testament. There was more of a mystery. But now we've got New Testament truth and the canon of Scripture is here and we have all these wonderful truths. And what we know is Jesus went into the grave. Third day he rose again and he released those saints and he went on and ascended to heaven 40 days later. And now we're not going to be kept, but we're going we're to go through and we're going to go in the presence of God. Not going to hold us. It can't keep us. No more than it could keep Jesus. It can't keep us because we're his children. And one of the things that Paul longed for, Paul longed for the resurrection. That was his hope. That's our hope. Hope is the resurrection. In, the, in Philippians, he says, Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of my Lord, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count the rubbish that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Notice, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering and being conformed to his death, being conformed to his death, if by, if by any means I may, notice, attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already attained or am already perfected. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Attain the resurrection. Paul deals with death. Secondly, Paul deals with the different types of bodies. He deals, and I won't read that whole thing again. I've already read it. But from verse 37 to 44, he talks about the natural and the spiritual body. And he talks about the differences in the natural body The natural body is what we have now. I have a natural body. But one day we're going to get a spiritual body. What are the differences in those? Paul shows us several things. First of all, he makes a distinction in verse 37. He says, and what you sow, you do not sow that body. Notice, that shall be. That body that shall be in the future. Your future body. Your future spiritual body. So he's saying this. He's saying the resurrection body will be vastly different than the body that you have now. You know what I say to that? Hallelujah. I'm wanting another one. Man, this one gets a little tired sometimes. Now, what he's saying is this, that the plant that blossoms, it's much different than the seed that's sown in the ground. At a funeral, at funerals, many times I'll do this. Do you know what morning glories are? Little flowers, they're beautiful, beautiful flowers, morning glories. I go to funerals sometimes, and I minister there, and I'll take a packet of morning glories. And I'll show everybody at the graveside. I'll show everyone and show the little picture on the front of the little packet you can buy at the, at the florist and, and, uh, or the nursery. And, I, and it looks so beautiful. And, the, and it's so bright and vivid in their colors. And then what I'll do is I'll open up, and I'll pull one of those seeds out. And I'll show them those little seeds, and they're just ugly and dark. And, and then I'll say, how in the world could that 
become that. And that seed looks like sown in corruption. You plant the body down in the ground. You plant the seed in the ground. But then when it comes out and it blossoms, it's going to look like this. We may, we may be sown in corruption one day. We may be sown in the grave in weakness one day, but friend, I'm going to tell you, we're coming on out, and when we come on out, it's not going to be the same body. It's not going to be that ugly little seed. It's going to be, uh, we're going to blossom in the resurrection. We're going to get brand new bodies. Glory to God. What a day. And, and God, or Paul says, it's by God's divine, determined plan. Notice what he says, verse 38. But God gives but God gives it a body as he pleases to each seed its, uh, its own body. God gives this. Do you know God's going to do this? He said this in verse, Philippians uh, 3.21. He says, who, Jesus will come, eagerly wait for him to come. Verse 21, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is even able to subdue all things. God's going to do this. And then he gives a description, and he, and he talks about the main differences between the resurrection body and the earthly body. They're, they're vastly different. First, the, the makeup of our bodies is unique. Our bodies are unique. Now, I'm talking about the human body, different than, different than a duck. Come on. A giraffe, right? A cow. God's given, God gave Jesus a body. You know that? God gave Jesus a body. And in his body, he didn't come as a fish, but he came in the, in the, in the flesh, not in the sinful flesh, but in the flesh of human body, he became a man. And we're human beings. Now listen, we didn't evolve from monkeys Notice what he says in verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. Flesh of men, of beasts, of fish, of birds. That right there contradicts evolution. One cannot evolve from one type of creature to another. No monkey ever evolved into a man. God created all kind of different bodies and in different bodies. So it's unique, the human body. Our human bodies are unique. Secondly, in the future, there's going to be a freedom that we don't have now. Look at verse 40. There's also celestial bodies, the celestial, the glory, the moon, the stars, so beautiful. And then the bodies that are terrestrial. Now listen, the celestial are the heavenly, the sun, moon, stars. The terrestrial are earthly bodies. And I'm wondering here, could this be a hint, a veiled hint maybe, of our higher capabilities in our future resurrection body. Our future resurrection body will not know the limitations of the terrestrial. Remember Jesus' body? Remember, he could walk through walls. He could move about. He could vanish. Plus, he could ascend to heaven. And now we're limited. But I believe that our glorified spiritual bodies will have Maybe limitless capabilities. That's God's will. I don't know. That's just, just an insight maybe that God could give you. Thirdly, Paul makes this description. He says, 
He talks about the splendor of our future bodies, the splendor, the glory of the sun, verse 41, the glory of the sun, the glory of the moon, the stars. In the resurrection body, there will be a a difference in the splendor from the earthly body. It will be better. It will be more glorious and more capable to serve Christ. And now, Paul also gives, and he talks specifically about the improvements I mean, if I, gave you a, if I gave you a choice between a 1972 Pinto or a 2019 Maserati, which one would you want? I'd take the Maserati. And you say, well, what would you do with it? I would drive it to the dealership and sell it <laughs> and get a truck. <laughs> Come on, amen. <laughs> but it's improvements. Do you know that? We're going to get a new body, a glorified body, a spiritual body, and there's going to be improvements. What are they? One is physical improvements from physical decay. Verse 42, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Corruption means decay. The body grows old. The body wears out. The body, the human body, the terrestrial gets sick. It's limited. But in the future, the improvement is no decay in the new body. Secondly, improvements from earthly honor, sown in dishonor, raised in glory, verse 43. There will be no ugly or deformed bodies in the spiritual body. We watch someone grow up. We watch someone from, in your mind, just think about from childhood to senior adult to the grave. And you look at someone. And they're a little kid, and they run around, and they jump, and they play, and they laugh, and they own the swing set and the monkey bars. And they get a little older, and they get in sports, and they play football or basketball or track. They go off to college, and they, they pursue life. And as life wanes away, as life goes along, that person realizes as they get 50, 60, 70, they're not able to do those things anymore. They're, they don't have the same spring in their step. Their eyes may get a little dim. They may get aches and pains. As they get closer and closer to eternity, they realize this, the body's sown in dishonor. And then one day, we take, think about this, we take that person who was strong and vibrant and capable, and we take them and put them in a casket, and men bear that briar and carry them to the graveside and lower it into the ground. What a dishonor. What a dishonor. God created human beings for glory. He created us for eternity. He created us to serve him and be his image bearers. And when, and when that body's lowered in the ground, that is, what a dishonor. That's not, that was not ever the plan of God. But we're not going to go that. We're going to be raised in glory. What an improvement. And then the improvement uh, from physical weakness, sown in weakness, verse 43, raised in power. The resurrection body will not be sick. It will be eternally strong and healthy. The fourth improvement, the improvement from shameful depravity. Sown a natural body, notice, raised a spiritual body. Now think about this. The resurrection body will not sin. Come on. Temptation comes through the body. Sin comes through the body. That's why Paul said in Romans 6, don't use your body as instruments of unrighteousness. Our bodies are a problem for us. Let's be honest. Our bodies 
one day in our spirits will be in perfect harmony in the future. No more battles between the flesh and the spirit. See, what you have right now and what my belief is, what I believe the scripture teaches is this, is this. We have a new spirit. I don't believe you have an old spirit in you and a new spirit in you. I believe you have a new spirit in you. When you're saved, you get a new spirit. You get a new heart. You get a heart that went from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. That's Old Testament. But I'm going to tell you, New Testament bears out we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're new, but we live in an old body. We have a new spirit in an old body. And the body we have to keep crucified. Jesus said this, watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. Here's what Jesus said, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember what Paul said in Romans? He said, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform it, how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I want to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. I'm doing what I don't want to do, and what I want to do, I can't do, he's saying. Verse 20. Now if I do what I do not what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells in me. I find then, I find a law that evil is present with me. And the one who wills to do, the one who wills to do good, I want to do good. But I delight in the law according to God, uh, to the inward man. See what I'm saying? Your inner man and your outer man are not a harmony. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members, my members, my members, the body, warring against the law of my mind to bring me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Your body's still fallen. Your body needs to be redeemed. Your body needs to be, to get a new body and to be transformed. What does Paul say? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. The body and the spirit are out of harmony right now. But in the resurrection, your body's going to catch up with your spirit. You're going to get a body that doesn't grow old. You're going to get a body that's not subject to temptation anymore. It will be a body that's brand new. What a day that'll be. Lastly, I'll close with this. Paul, first of all, dealt with death. And then secondly, Paul deals with the different kinds of body, the natural and the spiritual. And thirdly, Paul deals with the process of how this change will occur. And I'll just I won't read all those texts because I'm finished. Paul shows us how the process of change from the resurrection body, from the, from the natural body to the resurrection body will occur. Now, why does it have to occur? The reason it has to occur, it says the, the, the earthly first, then the, then the heavenly. The reason the earthly's first in that text, I've read it already, is because of sin. The earthly is first because Adam sinned. He plunged the human race into darkness, and that darkness ends in the grave. That's why the earthly is first. Your earthly life will play out. My earthly life will play out. But it will play out differently for those who know Jesus Christ from those who do not know Jesus Christ. Listen, I've been, a, I've been a part of a lot of death. And I can tell you, those who die lost, 
it's a totally different story than those who die saved. Somebody recently passed away, and I, uh, they, uh, I forget who it was. They said he just went to sleep. Just went to sleep. The reason the spiritual is last is because for those who receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, they will not be conquered by death and the grave. The spiritual is going to come. You're not going to be left in the grave. The earthly is not going to be the last thing. The spiritual is the last thing because Jesus is going to have the last say. And we're coming on out. The proof of the resurrection. How do I have that proof? Like you have any other proof. You have a Bible. This is my proof right here. You believe that old dusty book? I believe the concordance, my friend. I believe the leather. I believe the straps. I believe it all. The gilding. I believe it all. This is the word of God. And notice what it says in verse 45. It is written. See that? It is written. It is written. It is written. The scripture is the source of my future hope of the resurrection. I don't doubt the word of God. All of this is going to happen. And I leave us with a wonderful promise. Here's the promise. I'll begin in verse 48. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And notice, as we, the Christian, has borne the image of the man of dust, we shall. Here's, here's we, we conclude. We shall, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. One of these days, we're going to shed the image of the earthly completely. And we're going to take on the image of the heavenly eternally. And we long for that day. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love today. Hallelujah. Let's stand as we just praise the Lord. Would you just lift your hands? Come on, would you just lift your hands and bless the Lord? I know you worked a long time today and you're probably a little tired. Just shake off that bodily tiredness for a moment and just give this sacrificial time to the Lord. Come on, just thank you for his salvation. Thank you for the hope of the resurrection. We bless the name of Jesus. We worship you. We glorify your great and awesome name. What a mighty Savior you are. What a mighty salvation plan. You said to us that if we call upon you, we would be saved. But Lord, you just didn't save us and forgive our sins, that is. But you've given us an incredible plan, a whole plan that will not end at the grave. But it will end in the resurrection in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As our heads are bowed quickly, heads are bowed. We'll be gone in just a moment, but our heads are bowed. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I need prayer. Maybe you need prayer in your spiritual life. Maybe you're not walking as close to the Lord as you want to walk, and you know that that day's going to come when we're going to give an account and stand before Jesus. And you say, Pastor, just pray for me. Just pray for me. Anyone, just slip a hand up and just say, pray for me. Pray for me. Anyone need prayer? God bless you here. Others, you need prayer tonight. God bless you here. Anyone else? Several hands going up. Anyone else just need special prayer tonight? Pastor, pray for me. I just need to draw near to the Lord. Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Father, you see these hands that are raised. You see the hearts of people that are being stirred. We're thinking about eternity tonight. 
And so, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would let them call upon you. Forgive our sin. Come into our heart. If you know the Lord, just ask God to, to wash you and to draw you near to him. He said, if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. He knows every struggle you have. He's, he loves you. He loves his people. He is your helper. Be the helper of your people. Be the strength of our lives, O oh Lord. Be the strength of our lives, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. What a great hope we have. What a great future we have. Thank you, Lord. Do you have a song to sing as we conclude this time together? Oh, what a day that will...